Hello, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardenas, and I'm here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' lives. This first season, as you know, is all about classroom management strategies, about how to gain and keep your students' attention and minimize problems so you can focus on what really matters, teaching and making a difference in their lives and hearts. Last week, we talked about how easy it is to destroy our rapport with our students. And that rapport is so important, especially when it comes to today's topic, which is all about how to counsel or have a meaningful conversation with your students. You know, giving consequences is, a, is important, but if that's all you're doing, it is not going to cut it. If you want to get to the real problems and actually reach your students' hearts, you need to have meaningful conversations with them. And today, we're going to talk about those key insights that will help you do just that. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to talk to you guys about one thing that's just kind of been on my heart and mind these past few days. I've been looking at some of the comments and questions that are coming in from the episodes we've had so far. And, you know, one thing that really struck me is just the fact that good classroom management is not all about one magic tactic. Instead, it's really a combination of so many um, strategies and um, just different, I don't even know if techniques is the right word. It's just there's so many elements that go into good classroom management. And um, sometimes even if you have, you have a couple elements right, but a couple other things you're doing wrong, uh, it can still cause a lot of trouble in your classroom. So for those of you that are really struggling, I really hope this podcast is is helping you and is giving you um, some new ideas and helping you correct some of these elements that you might be struggling with. But if you feel like you're really having trouble just putting all of it together, you feel like you're making strides in some areas, but other areas are just still really lacking, I just want you guys to know that I have created a course that puts all of this together. And to be honest, I wasn't even going to mention it at all in the podcast because I don't want this podcast, I don't want you to ever feel, you know, obligated or like I'm trying to, um, you know, force you to buy something. But um, that is the reason I created Classroom Management 101. I created it because I wanted to have everything in one place. I wanted to have a course that teachers could go to that are struggling and just be able to see Um, to just go through the entire course and learn everything that they need to, to put it all together and have all the elements um, in the right order in their classroom, in their classroom management. So if you are interested in that course, um, you can go to academy.teachfortheheart.com. I'll also link to it in the show notes at teachfortheheart.com slash podcast seven. And actually, if you are interested in the course, Classroom Management 101, I'd actually encourage you to start start by signing up for the mini course. If you go to teachfortheheart.com slash mini course, um, then you'll actually get a special um, discount available just for my mini course students. So once again, if you're really having trouble with your classroom, strongly recommend going to teachfortheheart.com slash mini course and signing up for the mini course. And then if you feel like Classroom Management 101 would help you, then definitely check that out as well. Let's get back to today's topic because I really believe it's incredibly important and a key element to your success in not just classroom management, but in making a difference in your students' lives, which is why we're all here in the first place. 
You know, when it comes to dealing with discipline problems, we teachers, to be honest, we have some choices. You know, we can ignore the problem. Not a good idea. We can yell at the students. Still not a good idea. We can sometimes, we give an eloquent lecture about why someone should or shouldn't be doing something. Um, we can calmly tell the student to correct their behavior. We can give us, we can give consequences and move on. Now you might be, uh, it's pretty obvious that the first two options, ignoring it or yelling at the student, are not normally the best options. But sometimes we teachers think that those latter options, lecturing, calmly correcting, giving consequences, we do those and we think, yes, we've got it made. Our job is done. But the reality is that none of those are really going to correct ongoing discipline problems. And that's because they're just surface solutions. They're important elements of classroom management, but they don't get to the root of the problem. If we really want to see lasting change, we have to take the time to figure out what's really happening. Maybe Camden's cheating because he's afraid of failure. Maybe Priscilla's the class clown because she thinks that's the only way she can make friends. Or maybe Elias isn't doing his homework because he's too busy playing video games. You see, when we can get to the real issue, we can attack the problem at its core. And when we help students overcome that underlying problem instead of just trying to deal with the surface problem, then we start to see real progress and real change and we're actually impacting the student's life and making a difference in their hearts. You know, the big challenge, though, is figuring out what that underlying problem is and then helping the student to correct that. And to help us do that, one of the keys is to actually having meaningful conversations with your students to, number one, uncover the problem, and then, number two, actually help them through it and reach their, to actually speak to their hearts so that the impact will go beyond just that one conversation and actually impact their lives. So today I want to talk about five tips for counseling students and helping them to overcome these problems, these underlying problems, so that you'll actually see long-term results. My first tip is to seek first to understand, then to be understood. This principle comes from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it is it has made such a huge difference when you start to understand this. See, here's the thing. We can plan out a speech and deliver it perfectly, but if we really want to make a difference, we need to first understand where the student is coming from and what they're thinking. If we just jump right into the lecture, we completely miss the underlying problem. We might think we know what it is, But chances are we don't. We're just dealing with what we can see. So instead, before we start talking, before we jump into a lecture, we need to stop and try to understand the student's point of view. This might mean, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about some tips to do that, but just keep that in mind. Don't start trying to fix the problem until you first seek to understand the student's point of view and why they're saying that. Let me just give you an example real quick. Um, I had a student one time who I just noticed, it was a seventh grade girl, and I just noticed she was just really off this one week, more so than usual. And um, she was just, you know, getting in trouble, having problems with grades, you know, all the normal kind of signs. And so I pulled her aside and I talked with her. And come to find out, she was really upset because the um, boy that she liked um, had shown up in youth group with a different girl. And she was all upset about it. Now, 
obviously, that's a whole nother conversation. But that's the point. Um, if this is part of the underlying problem, you know, now I can actually talk with her about what is on her heart and give her wise counsel in relationship to that instead of just talking about the results. When we can deal with the surface problem instead of just the results, it's a much more meaningful conversation. It's much more effective than me just sitting there and telling her that she needs to pay better attention when her mind is actually on this other problem. When I listen to her first, then I can deal with a real problem that she's struggling with. So number one, always seek first to understand before we try to be understood ourselves. Secondly, one of the ways you can do this is to ask questions and then wait quietly for their response. You know, if we want to understand where they're coming from, we have to ask them. But here's the thing. Often, they're not just going to spill their guts at the first question. So if they hesitate, we can't just jump in and fill that empty air. We, we need to just stop and let there be a little bit of silence. Let them kind of realize, oh, I, I actually have to answer this question. Normally, the student will speak up eventually if we wait patiently. And when they do start talking, try the phrase, tell me more about that. It's non-judgmental and it helps them open up without making it seem like you're prying. So try that phrase, tell me more about that. Number one, seek first to understand. Tip number two, ask questions and wait quietly for their responses. Number three, once you've started to uncover the real problem, you need to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. You know, I've really realized that the essence of wise counseling is just this, telling them what they need to hear, even if they don't really like it. You know, and as a Christian, I believe God's word is the, su- is the source of all truth. So when I'm trying to think, what advice should I give them? That's where I need to go first. I need to think, well, what does scripture recommend? If a student's having trouble, for example, with a friend, I have to think, what does the student, what does the Bible say about this? Well, the Bible says to go to the person that you're having trouble with and try to talk about it with them first. Um, so that's the advice I'm going to give to them. And talk, the Bible talks about, um, forgiveness. It talks about putting others first. It talks about caring more about others than you do about yourselves. All these things are going to tie together. Now, if you teach in a Christian school, you can and should actually share these scriptures with your students and help them see how it applies to their situation. If you teach in a public school or another situation where, you know, you don't you're not able to actually share scripture, don't think that this means, oh, I must go a completely different direction. That's not true at all. You can go ahead and share scriptural truths without telling the students it's from scripture. For example, um, we were just talking about you know a student that's having trouble with someone else. Um, you can still advise them. You know the best thing to do is go to that person and ask them you know and talk to them about it. You know you need to forgive them. It does you know it's not going to do you any good to harbor ill will in your heart. You can say the same things. You just don't use the scripture. These truths are universal. They are God's truths. And so they're going to be wise advice in any situation. So don't be afraid to share them. Share the truth, even if you don't aren't able to tell the students where the truth is coming from. 
Final thought on this is: please don't think you're sparing your students' feelings by leaving out the hard truth and telling them what they want to hear. This may seem good at the moment, but you're actually doing them a huge disservice. We are here to make a difference in their lives, and if we're not going to tell them the truth that they need to hear, oftentimes no one else will. Obviously, many students have wonderful parents that will, but a lot of these students don't. So,、um, if we see an opportunity, we absolutely they we owe it to them to tell them what they need to hear. The next thing we need to do, number four, is to speak the truth in love, and this goes. Incredibly, this is incredibly important, especially when we're talking about those hard truths. You know, if we truly care, we will tell them the truth. But if we don't speak it in love and kindness, our words will have zero impact. The student needs to be focused on the truth being spoken and not distracted by any type of demeaning attitude on our part. So, for example, if we're yelling at the student. Um, it doesn't matter if every word we say is completely true and exactly what they need to hear. They're probably not going to hear it unless it's a you know unless this is a student that you for some reason you know this is the way they connect. A very rare rare instance,、um, yelling is not going to help. It's going to hinder the conversation.、Um, it's and it's just going to turn it into a hilarious story for him to tell his friends later. Instead, though, when we speak calmly and kindly and in love. The students can try to dismiss that, but over time, I mean that that's going to be much more impactful in their lives. If they can see that we genuinely care, there's a much better chance that they're actually going to hear what we say、um, and actually think about it, and hopefully、uh, make some meaningful changes. The last thing we need to do if we really want to make a difference and counsel our in counseling our students is when we don't know what to do. We need to ask somebody else for help. You know, none of us have all the answers, and sometimes、uh, we're going to run into situations where we we don't know what advice to give. It's a really tough situation. So when that happens, ask for help. And as a Christian, my biggest source of help is God, and I hope He is yours too. You know, go to Him and ask Him for advice and counsel. Um, that might seem silly. Wait, ask God for advice? Yes, God can speak to us. He can speak back to you through His Word. He can speak back to you just in that still small voice. He'll he'll whisper a thought into your mind that wasn't there a minute ago, and, and you'll just know what to say. So so pray and ask God for help. Beyond that, um, also, um, God can also speak to us through others. So talk to fellow teachers, talk to an administrator. Um, I hope you have a mentor or a trusted friend that you can go to and ask and discuss these types of problems.、Um, ask them what they'd say in a similar situation. You know what? Better yet, if you do have someone in your school that you see they're good at this, they're good at counseling students. Ask them if you can sit in on a conversation they have with their student. I've done this a few times, and it has gone. It has helped me so much. Just seeing those wise conversations modeled is incredibly helpful. So I'd highly recommend if you have anyone that you can kind of trust with that, sit in with them and let them see you talk to the student. I wish I had more time to talk with you guys more about it because this topic is so important.、Um, but I think we're out of time for today. So to recap, to counsel your students, number one, seek first to understand. Number two, ask questions and wait quietly for their responses. Number three, tell them what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. 
Number four, speak the truth in love. And number five, seek outside wisdom and advice. I'm so glad you were able to join us today. Remember, if you'd like more tips, you can go to teachfortheheart.com slash mini course to get my free classroom management mini course. Next week, we're going to talk about an incredibly important topic. We're going to be talking about what to do um, with that student who's constantly complaining and um, not really wanting to be on board with your classroom changes. If you'd like the show notes from this note, from this podcast, go to teachfortheheart.com slash podcast seven for all links and information. I'm look for, looking forward to seeing you next week. And remember, I'll keep growing and keep striving. You are making a difference.